The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking live from Europe under attack. Very sad day, yet another Yet another terrorist attack that we, in a sense, all knew was coming, and yet uh, denial and hope um, stopped us from believing that it was really going to happen imminently or today. You know, we, we sort of know these things on one level of our brain, and then the rest of our brain denies it and says, oh, no, somehow it's going to go away. Well, in Belgium, a country that's near and dear to my heart, having gone to medical school at the University of Louvain in Belgium, um, there were uh, three explosions this morning, three attacks, um, two at Belgium's airport in Zaventem, and one in the metro system at Malbeek. Um, it's interestingly enough, some reports are saying that there were actually supposed to be three bombs in Belgium's airport, um, and one of them didn't go off, so it could have even been worse. But it's bad enough. Uh, the death toll and the injured toll keep rising. At, right now they're saying that there's at least 31 dead and at least 200 injured from both of the places of the attacks. Um, in my, well, I'll, I'll save the rest of my comments uh, to chat over with my guest. Um, today we're going to be speaking with first Colleen Rohowski. She uh, has lots of initials after her name. She's in, in Germany at the moment, and she is uh, an official with the American Office of the Secretary of Defense, and that's um, the, specifically the Department of Defense Education Activity in Europe. Colleen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to speak with you and your audience. Uh, and it is truly a sad day, as you said. Well, tell me. Let's. We want to hear. Um, you know the real the real story. Um, and uh, I want to say that Colleen actually was supposed to be in Belgium, in Brussels, in fact, this week. Um, and of course, because of her work, she has lots of colleagues in Brussels who she's been in contact with. So um, tell tell us what happened. Like from your point of view, when you woke up today, and all of a sudden, how did you find out about this? Oh, Carol, um, when I woke up this morning, of course, I went to work uh, at my office in Germany, and uh, it was later this afternoon, early, early noon, uh, I was uh, going over the email, and uh, we were sent a message from our safety officer uh, with the link 
so that we could open it up and see what was going on in in Brussels. Uh, we were devastated, uh, shocked. I was extremely worried about my colleagues uh, at our school there in Brussels, and I found out they uh, everybody is fine. Our students, our teachers, and our administrators are all well and and good at this at this time. But it was very very frightening, and uh, it really. Really, um, as you said earlier in the show, it was um, maybe we've been in denial, but even though we experience and have seen this all the time, but it, it just hit us like a ton of bricks. And we felt so compassionate for our um, fellow uh, Americans and other people in Belgium. It was quite quite devastating. Now, tell so, us a little... Um, mm-hmm. Well, so I called and... Uh, uh, first thing, of course, they have, they are on high alert, and um, we know that um, everybody has been accounted for. Everybody's fine from, from my uh, office colleagues and all that. But um, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, whether or not they're going to close the school for the rest of the week. We don't know. Um, but uh, I can assure you um, we have wonderful, fantastic, as your audience knows, military personnel and leaders who know what to do and uh, when to do it and will make the right decision. So well, we'll now, has there, been, has there been talk? I mean, one of the things that um, I thought right away, and I still think, and there has been some, um, you know, this, this came just days, four days after the arrest of uh, Salah Ab- I never pronounced all these names correctly, but uh-huh. Salah Abdez- Abdeslam, um, who was uh-huh. the sole survivor um, of the terrorists who uh, planned and carried out the, the, the attacks in Paris in November. And um, I don't know, you've, I'm sure you've, they had that on television, I'm sure you've watched that. Um, and it was in the same neighborhood um, of Molenbeek, and um, uh, in fact, that's been Molenbeek has been called, it's a suburb of Brussels, and it, I used to pass that on the train all the time when I would go from Louvain to Brussels. And I remember, mm-hmm. I remember, a, a, I have a picture in my mind of what it was like from the train. I don't think I ever really actually went there, but it was a very even when I was there, um, it was a very sad-looking, gray-looking uh, town. It's a, not a very um, it's, it's a rather poor section of, of Belgium and uh, not a very inviting uh, section. Like the, the buildings always looked like, <laughs> I always looked like I didn't want to get off there. And this was before. Um, it, was, it has been dubbed now Europe's terrorism capital. Um, but even before then, although these things have been gradually uh, becoming more infiltrated over the years, these places, um, but but even then, it was there was something sort of foreboding about it, and it seems to me that um, just four days after the capture of this key surviving player in the Paris attacks, that this was uh, that the reason why it happened today was was in retribution for that. Has there, have there been any? Have you been talking with people about that? Um, well, no, I haven't been talking with. Uh with people from the area directly about it, but uh, you are correct. It has been all over our news uh, here, and we've heard from uh, uh, France, and we've heard from uh, England, 
and of course the United States, as well as uh, as from Belgium. And from what I can gather, they certainly do think it's all connected and in retribution. And when they were in the um, airport there, I understand the explosions went off right at the American Airlines counter. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um, there, you know, we feel there is a definite uh, link. Uh, and I guess as um, time moves on, uh, the authorities will have more information uh, about that. Now, we did just hear that in a, uh, another close-by neighborhood, the Belgic police actually stormed a house and found bomb-making uh, materials there. So um, with the cooperation that they were telling us on TV that they have with, uh, with the French, uh, and, of course, with the British and with the United States, um, they are, it seems like, um, getting very, um, just just uh, going uh, very quite aggressively after them. Mm-hmm. And so well, this, was, uh, this was brand new uh, today, just a little while ago we heard that. Yes. And in the raids last week, they found an ISIS flag, a book about Salafism, uh, a, sas- a sizable cachet of weapons, and so they had, and they knew, you know, they were all, and they were saying they thought that more attacks were in the works. And, and it seems that, um, you know, I, I mean, more attacks are still in the works. Of course, the idea is to get to them before they happen. But um, three of the attackers from the Paris attacks grew up in Molenbeek. I mean, that has, that is, a, has, has as I said, it's become, it's now called Europe's uh, terrorism capital, and it's really mm-hmm. sad because this is right, <laughs> right um, near the European Union. I mean, right at the in the backyard of the European Union mm-hmm. capital. Yes, it's in a very uh, strategic and a key location. And some of my colleagues and I were just kind of wondering out loud today. It's very difficult for us as Amer- as Americans to comprehend. Uh, how these terrorists can be, uh, well, here in Germany and Belgium, and they see the wonderful, joyous lifestyle uh, these people have. It's in their culture with their fest, and like for in Germany for the Oktoberfest and things like that. And um, surely you would think, um, you know, they observe people actually enjoying life. So the question is, what is it about them that uh, they don't, in our view, seem to enjoy life? You know? Well, because it starts from when they were younger, and yeah. um, and feeling deprived, and feeling and and having different uh, trauma, traumatic incidents happen to them, and so on, um, unrelated to uh, terrorism per se, and then and then they get they find an outlet to express all of their rage, you know, to make it something religious, a good thing. They're martyrs. They're going to die and find mm-hmm. 72 virgins and all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it doesn't make any common sense at all. No, it really doesn't. And then what else is interesting is uh, um, they said that after the bombings in Paris, they did find a uh, uh, suicide bomber's belt abandoned there. And apparently right. uh, the terrorists they caught... Uh, just recently or last week in Belgium, mm-hmm. uh, he, he was the one, and he, for some reason, did not uh, detonate himself or drop the belt. So um, he, 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 in other words, he chose to live, it would appear. Yes, yes. And you know what was interesting? In the, um, in the video of uh, the capture of 
um, this this surviving yeah. terrorist. <coughs> um, you know, when you look at him, he's just this little punk. <laughs> you know, he looks like exactly. sort of an ordinary, an ordinary kind of thief. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like somebody who would be running from a grocery shop after stealing yeah. some groceries. And yet he yeah, planned, he, he, he masterminded this whole uh-huh. event in Paris and presumably the one today, <laughs> or had a part in yeah. that. Um, well, and and, he's, he and when you in, look at him... He, he was born in Belgium and actually is a French citizen. So, um, and we were, yeah, we were very surprised to see his picture, his photograph. Um, certainly not what one conjures up of what a terror should look like, you know. Right, right. Um, yes, you just kind of, it's just amazing to think that, that he could have caused um, so much pain and destruction and, conti- and mm-hmm. went on to continue to plot more pain and destruction and right. obviously, there are, you know, he has lots of friends who are continuing to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're finding, too, that um, their families do know about them. And, and in fact, Harvard is what the police had said. Uh, and so now uh, it appears that they're going to be going uh, after the relatives of these people. So, yes, uh, and we'll, what, what, we'll what do you mean? that plays out. What do you mean, going after the relatives? Well, where they live, uh, they're going to go into their homes and, you know, actually search and ask questions. And I believe they found fingerprints on a glass in one of the homes, uh, and they were actually the terrorists. So they know um, that the um, families uh, or relatives uh, know about them, and, and they feel that there's a okay in there. And that's what the newscasters were even saying, that after the incident in Paris, when he was back, he actually was going back home to where he felt safe. Right. Uh, with family, friends, or relatives. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there is a connection there. I, it, it seems like after this, as we, um, as the more events fold out, we will probably see, it's just my guess, that um, indeed these families do know what's going on and are quite aware of it. So, um, well, it is, it the, is it the, I mean, play out. Yes, and in fact, um, apparently when the police arrested this key terrorist in, in uh, Molenbeek uh, four days ago, yeah. um, they, instead of the, the, their, the neighborhood being happy that they got, you know, a, a dangerous man out mm-hmm. of their midst, they threw mm-hmm. bottles, stones, and other debris yeah. at them, and so mm-hmm. proving that, of course, these, they were more loyal to the terrorists than, than mm-hmm. to Belgium, than to any country that gave them refuge. And, um, I mean, you know, it's about time that they went after the families, that they looked into the families. Do you think there's a problem there, just like in the states, of political correctness, of not wanting to, you know, do too much to, um, or act too aggressive to try to find the terrorists? Uh, yes, I think that's what happened in the beginning, where perhaps... Um, the authorities maybe knew some of these suspects might be there, but uh, they were not. Uh, they were just very low key, so they maybe didn't go after them. Uh, but there's another factor too that was brought to my attention. Um, as you know, Carol, in Belgium, uh, many of the people speak um, either French, or they could speak German or Flemish. Yes. And so these um, immigrants, you know, uh, coming in, do not know those languages. So it's. Um, uh, they say it's difficult um, for them to um, understand and communicate 
um, yes, that's the true. To communicate with them because of these languages. Well, that's true. Um, I mean, when I went there, I studied medicine in French, and, and there was even um, still, and I'm sure it's still that way today, there's still some tension between, although it's better, I believe, but um, mm-hmm. still some tension between the French and the Flemish. And um, mm-hmm. and in and in any case, um, the the immigrants aren't aren't learning either of the languages, um, right? But but you know that doesn't mean that the police or the authorities, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean that they can't still go into the homes and do what they have to do to um, to uproot mm-hmm. the terrorists. Now talking yeah. about uprooting terrorists, um, since you're in Germany, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, tell us about how Germany has changed since all the migrants have flooded in? Well, um, as you know, and it's been reported in the press, uh, many of the Germans are not um, so happy about this situation. At first, um, you know, they were welcomed with open arms, but then they kept coming and coming and coming. And um, uh, there were some incidents, in, uh, in uh, for instance, in Cologne during the Christmas markets, uh, where the German uh, men, uh, not the German men, the, um, the refugees or the migrants uh, men uh, actually assaulted uh, the German women, and they were yeah. certainly not accustomed to this. And we find that um, they didn't really have a plan, it seems, in place to help these people assimilate, meaning to teach them the, more like the German culture. Now, I have a colleague who uh, has been in Germany for many years and is very fluent in German and, and English. And he said when they came to his neighborhood and lived in a place there, uh, they actually butchered a lamb in the front yard in broad daylight and on a Sunday afternoon and then uh, barbecued it right there in the front yard. Well, everybody was horrified. And so the mayor asked my colleague to talk to them about this. So he did, and he told them, you know... Um, he said, I am an outsider, which means outsider, too. He said, I- I'm an American. And I said, uh, if we want to uh, be welcomed in Germany, we must abide by their customs. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's a nice barbecue you have there, but let's move it to the backyard and uh, we don't slaughter animals in the front yard, you know, that type of thing. Um, and there were several other things. They did not, uh, according to him, um, they weren't really... Um, uh, up on um, our modern bathroom, shall we say. And uh, so they up on, up on what? and things like that, yeah. Okay. And so uh, now uh, he is a spokesperson uh, for his little town and village, and they have meetings, and he works with them to try to help them assimilate and uh, into the uh, German, you know, culture. Mm, that's um, interesting. Another incident. Uh, all right, wait, Colleen, 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 we need to take a yeah. break. I don't know if you heard okay. the music, but we, it's time to take a break. My guest okay. is Colleen Rohowski. She is um, works for the office of the, uh, with the American Office of the Secretary of Defense and Department of Defense Education Activity in Europe. We're talking today about uh, Europe under attack. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, where we are unfortunately talking about uh, the latest attack in Europe that is in Belgium, uh, that happened today. Um, we're speaking live f- from Europe. Where this the show is coming in a sense live from Europe. Talking with Colleen Rahalski, who um, is an American, um, working at the office of the Secretary of Defense and the Department of Defense Education Activity Europe, and um, she uh, actually was supposed to be in Brussels this week. Um, I want to talk about, have you heard, Colleen, or seen on television um, of, about the, the attackers, the, uh, the terrorists who were at the airport? Have you seen their pictures? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. They showed their picture. Have you all seen them over there, Carol? Well, yes. Actually, um, my friend from Belgium sent me some articles from their newspapers um, one, this one is called L'Attentat à l'Aéroport de Bruxelles. Voici une première image de ce suspect, etc., etc. Well, avec chacun un seul mangante. Now, what that all means is an attack at the airport of Brussels. Here's a first picture of the suspects with each one having one gloved hand. Now, there are yes. three suspects, um, two of them, and it shows them pushing the carts that you push in the airports um, mm-hmm. You know, the little, they look like shopping carts the, the, for your luggage. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just amazing when you see this picture because you know that, that you know, soon, anytime soon, um, they were, two of them were about to blow themselves up. And um, the third one um, is still on the loose, actually. He, um, right. he's, they're still looking for him. And, I mean, they're obviously going to find him. They have this picture that's pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that the two wearing, there are two of them wearing black uh, jackets, and they have mm-hmm. one black, they each have one black glove on their hand. Now, either they're mm-hmm. Michael Jackson wannabes, or, um, you know, it's, they, the thinking is that it was to, to hide detonators, the detonators right. of their suicide belt. 
um, mm-hmm. in their glove. Have we, what have you heard about this? Um, yes, we heard the same thing, but we heard, though, that the, um, we haven't heard officially, uh, but just from the news report so far, they indicated that um, the, somebody detonated bombs that were hidden in the suitcases as they were on the conveyor belt. Mm. Um, and so uh, that's pretty scary because, you know, we don't really have our suitcases checked. We have our hand luggage checked, but not the regular bags checked. And that's what they're saying uh, in the news over here. But we haven't heard officially. Hmm. Now, that's interesting because that's, yeah, that would be the easier way to do it. You don't even have to, you just mm-hmm. you just put your bags on the... Uh... Yeah, with, with perhaps a cell phone. Uh, and they said because the explosion went off right, right at the counters where you check the bags. And it was mm. they were so strong, they knocked the windows out. Hmm. So, so that that was a new one. Mm-hmm. Any any um, have you heard any news about who these people are? I mean, I don't mean, of course, supposedly. Well, ISIS is claiming um, responsibility, right. but I mean, but I mean more information about who they are. Do they? Do yeah, we know we, that they? We haven't heard who they are, or where they came from, or how long they've been in Belgium. So we don't know if um, they they just. Uh, are there, you know, just went there uh, recently or what? We're, I think as the uh, authorities gather the information, of course, we're waiting to hear that piece of it. So we don't know if they were in Germany or were in France and then went over to Belgium or what. Or, mm-hmm. or whether, like I said, whether or not they've been in Belgium for quite some time. So that remains to be seen. Um, you know, again, going back to the German migrants, because... You know, yes, of course, there was that attack on on New Year's on New at New Year's, the rapes and right. so on. But I mean, with these kinds of things happening in Paris and in Belgium, aren't mm-hmm. people in Germany getting <laughs> more and more nervous that with this huge influx of potential oh, terrorists, yeah. that you know, it could something like this could happen every day. Yeah, they they uh, appear to be. Um, anxious about it, and I understand they had some recent uh, elections, and uh, they let um, the uh, German government know how they feel about it. Um, The thing is that um, the Germans offer so much to the people. They offer housing, health care, education, and money uh, every month. Uh, Then they're trying to train them uh, to uh, for jobs and Eventually, you know, and teach them uh, to t- to speak German. So they have so much that's offered to them, and so um, they have. Of course, I will tell you, the military communities have just donated so much to them: clothing, blankets, uh, appliances, small appliances, and things like that. Um, I, I can't say in Germany, at least I haven't heard that they really want for basic needs because they seem to be very well taken care of. So it would just it just kind of breaks your heart to think that uh, some of them might not be uh, here for legitimate reasons, but they might be here to harm people. And that's, um, that's sad, but that's real. We just don't know yet. Yes. Now, um, tell us about you, um, tell us about what you do at, at your school, I know you, you t- well, tell us about your responsibilities in general, and 
Right. <laughs> and how this has been affecting, I don't mean just the Belgian, it's a little too early mm-hmm. perhaps right. to know about the Belgian attack, but just in general, uh, the Paris attacks and the, um, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the problems fighting terrorism in general. You are, the students in your schools are connected to the American military, and t- tell very us about that. So. Yeah, very, very much so. And um, I will tell you, uh, these children are very resilient. They really are, and so are their families. Um, I've been, I know firsthand, firsthand uh, about the sacrifices our military men and women make each and every day for us, and, uh, and, uh, and I also know what the families go through. Um, but that having been said, in our schools, we are like a haven, I'll say. We are a safe haven for the children. Uh, when they come to school, they are nurtured. They are well taken care of. We have absolutely dedicated teachers and um, a strong uh, academic curriculum. And so um, at least when they're in school, um, they, they are well taken care of in terms of their education and all that. And um, our military personnel are very aware of um, where they are, what they're doing, and so they can do their job without worrying about their children um, and about their children's education. Um, they, they know they're being taken care of, and, and it's with great pride I say that. They have done uh, customer satisfaction surveys, mm-hmm. and each and every survey, uh, the parents pointed out that the teachers care. On any day after school and on weekends, you will see the parking lots with teachers' cars because they're working overtime uh, after school. You don't get paid for this uh, just to uh, tidy up the classrooms or work on uh, lesson plans or programs or whatever they may have um, that they feel very dedicated to these children. Um, we're like a family. We really are. We're really like a family. And uh, we have 72 schools. We have four districts. Uh, we stretch from uh, England um, all the way over to the Kingdom of Bahrain. And hmm. we have schools in Turkey. We have schools in Spain, Italy, of course, Germany, the Netherlands, and Belgium. And um, we're very proud of our schools. Our children's academics um, are very, very high. They score uh, in national testing. They score um, above the children in the States especially our minority students. So we're very proud of that. And mostly over here, I can tell you, we're um, colorblind. Uh, you can ask a teacher, you know, how many black students she has in the classroom or, or ask her how many Asian students, and they probably wouldn't know because they don't see uh, it that way. Mm-hmm. So um, we are like a mini United Nations, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's just an honor and a privilege to work for this fine um, school system. It really is. It's, uh, it's wonderful. My own two daughters grew up in Europe and attended these schools, the Department of Defense schools, and had a wonderful, wonderful, uh, solid um, foundation uh, in their education. So it, it has been absolutely wonderful. And um, I've worked with the military for many, many years. And um, with uh, Vietnam, with uh, the first Gulf War, uh, we were teach- I was teaching in Nuremberg, and I can remember having uh, briefings with counselors to warn us because we were expecting uh, chemical warfare. And I can remember right before the uh, troops deployed, uh, we had teacher conferences and big, burly 
um, military personnel would come to me with tears in their eyes, and they'd say, Mr. Rahowski, please take care of my baby. And uh, mm. it tears in my eyes now when I remember it. And mm. so we were well prepared, and I can remember uh, when I was teaching, I believe it was third grade at the time, uh, just out of the clear blue, a child would run up to the front of the classroom if I was at the uh, chalkboard um, and um, just hug me, just hug mm. me and just start crying. Mm. And so we were trained to, um, uh, we had um, buzzers, we could, uh, I could like switch to this press one and a counselor would come immediately to help the child. Huh. So um, that was an eye opener. They were very anxious at that time, very, very anxious and reacted uh, in that manner. But, uh, again, uh, the Department of Independent Schools um, uh, trained uh, people, and we were ready to handle whatever happened. Boy, so, you know, I, I could I just did. see, I can see something like that happening in American schools. How far down the road mm-hmm. do you think that is, where um, mm-hmm. those bells, where counselors have to come because, I mean, you know, it is, it's so sad to see what's happening to Europe um, and America has to, of course, take heed about this. Um, I mean, it, it's it's become so dangerous to um, to go anywhere, but to, but to not get away from the students. Uh, tell me how, because I know I know you've been having some problems. Like there has been some um, letters telling the students at your school in Germany to the American students. Um, not to wear anything out in public that identifies yeah, them yeah. as American. Tell us about yeah. that. Uh, well, some of our students who are, are might be new uh, to our uh, our schools, you know, um, are, are not really used to being told what to wear and how to dress uh, off uh, when they're off the base. Um, but uh, everyone is told, not just the students, that you want to blend in uh, and you do not want to, I'll just, uh, you know, um, I'll say stick out uh, like an Amer- American with um, uh, wild clothing and uh, whimsical clothing, that type of thing. You want to wear dark clothing and uh, be very, very low-key. Do not wear any sweatshirts that uh, are emblazoned with anything like a USA or an American on it. They, they don't want the children to, um, you know, uh, in any way draw attention to themselves. They want them to be very low-key. And that was... Uh, an unusual thing for some of our students. They weren't quite used to that. Yeah, that I mean, but just for them. the for I, mm-hmm. but the the idea that it has become um, dangerous for people to mm-hmm. look American in Europe. I mean, that's that's oh all yeah, the, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And one thing uh, we note that uh, many people can tell an American from the shoes, uh, huh? the sneakers that they wear. So. They said, you know, you might want to wear dark shoes, not, you know, the American brands that uh, the rock stars and the and the rappers and the kids uh, enjoy wearing. You know, <laughs> that's interesting. That that's true. Me, you know? <laughs> that's true. That is that is one of the distinguishing, <laughs> a key distinguishing characteristic. God, yeah. I mean, but but you know, I mean, just think about that though. Like to where things have come to that it is dangerous right. to look like an American in Europe. I mean, when I was I in Europe, isn't that amazing? When mm-hmm. I was in Europe, it was like um, you know, you kind of you were special if you were American. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, of course you stuck out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't try to not stick out, and um, right. and people would would want to talk to you and and 
Um, I mean, I mean, look, it's just such a sad time. Look where our history has gone, where our, where society mm-hmm. has gone. Um, to, I mean, granted, when I lived in Paris, I had, and I went into a store, I had a quick, and obviously looked American, I had to quickly start speaking French, and then, then they'd be friendlier. But even then, I mean, you know, it's not that nobody was going to, no one was going to attack me for looking American. Right, um, right, yeah, yeah. And we're told, too, of course, uh, uh, we're warned of um, when there might be uh, local demonstrations for local, local politics type thing. And uh, we're not to go into the um, towns or cities where they are. And if we're ever, if we ever happen to be caught up in one, and this might be a tip for anybody who's planning to travel or who's a tourist and not connected with the military, but mm-hmm. if you happen to be caught up in one, uh, go inside a store uh, and, and don't uh, mingle with them, don't get involved with them. Uh, don't make eye contact. Just uh, get as far away from them as you can, because they march in clusters. And um, um, so we're told, um, don't don't uh, do anything to antagonize them. Just stay away. Wow. Wow. So it's. <laughs> So, so I. This happens, so, right? Yeah, we do get we do get we're lucky we get warnings about this. So, um, like I say, our uh, military and I will say civilian personnel, uh, they really do take very good care of us over here. They really do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I so, just hope. Mm-hmm. I just hope that um, I mean I know there has been some political pressure that uh, maybe to not take in any more migrants. In fact, isn't there? I was reading something where um, there's mm-hmm. you're paying them, not you, but like is, uh, some authorities in Germany are paying them, some migrants to go home. Right, yes. we've heard that too, um, and then some of the countries are actually sending them uh, back. Some of them are sending them back to Greece. Uh, and now we heard there's about 150,000 of them, but they don't know where they are now because oh, well. they have the free borders. But uh, I think they're going to, we saw evidence that they're going to start um, having the border patrols up again, whereby you have to, when you go through a border, you're st- you showed your passports. and they Well, I would hope cars. so. I would hope so. That's but been the... I think they're going to, mm-hmm. we've seen evidence of that, and we've been told in certain uh, parts of France when we travel, we have to have all of our credentials with us, mm-hmm. including at least two forms of photo IDs. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to take another break. Um, my guest, uh, we're talking today about Live from Europe Under Attack. My guest is Colleen Ruhalski. Um, we, we're going to take a break now, and um, I think I'm going to be having, if we were able to connect with him, um, a, a, a young man from Belgium, actually, um, it, who lives right near Brussels, so he's going to be joining us. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today live from Europe under attack. We've been talking with Colleen Rahowski. She is... Um, She's stationed in Germany, and she uh, works for the American Office of the Secretary of Defense, Department of Defense Education Activity, Europe. And now we're being joined and, um, by uh, Arnold Donans. He um, is, uh, lives and works in Waterloo, which is 20 kilometers from Brussels. Um, he was at his job at BMW this morning um, when the attacks occurred. So welcome to the show, Arnold. Hello, hello to all of you guys. Um, tell us what it was like for you. When did you, when and how did you hear about the attacks? Uh, yes, um, I was at my office this morning um, and we uh, learned the attack by the radio station and the um, uh, social network application on the mobile phone, and uh, we follow the the uh, the life uh, of the attack a few minutes by minutes, hmm. and um, we, there was a confusion in the, in the media uh, if it was an accident or an, a terrorist attack, and uh-huh. um, after a few minutes uh, the. They, they talk uh, about the dead people and the uh, number will grow up. And then they realize that's a terrorist attack uh, about uh, 30 minutes, uh, after 30 minutes. And then we heard about the second attack on the underground in Brussels. And um, we all talking about that uh, 
There is no security everywhere we can be under attack. And in the same time, uh, we just be outside of the building in the where uh, we are located in the entry of Waterloo. Waterloo is about it's uh, around uh, 12 miles from the airport. And mm. 20 or 30 minutes after the attack, we see the police uh, um, officer with few uh, cars. Uh, they make um, a roadblock to with the with the fire and check. All the people will arrive in Waterloo or go outside of Waterloo. It was uh, like uh, in uh, uh, war era. Mm. It's uh, incredible too. And all the people were talking about that and uh, we see the information uh, arrive minute by minute. Well, what um, what did you, when you, when you heard about this, what, what were your feelings like? When, as this was going on, the the feeling was uh, that we finally arrived in the reality with our country. We we see a few weeks or months early in Paris, and a few years in the United States. When when I heard the attacks of uh, uh, September 11, I was I was at the same place in the same building. And now we drive in my country, and now we realize that there are no security place, and uh, we will hope to find a solution to to coming back with the security. Yeah. And um, in the night building, there was also um, Muslims that working too, and the 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 feeling with them and. Yeah, the people tend to be angry, and that's a big confusion, and, uh, and that's a very uh, strange reality. The, the, I didn't quite get that. There was what else in your building? What, 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 I, didn't say, I don't understand. What do you think? What was the last thing that you said, that the people uh, were the, angry? The, the, thing is, the thing is that all the, the people, uh, my colleague, my colleague, uh-huh. uh, they... Then they see all these attacks from the the Islam. Is that the correct word? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we also have Muslims that work too with us. Oh, oh, and, I see what you're saying. A Mus- Muslim, yeah, and, yes, who, yes. And they were talking, and they were like, "Oh, it's not my fault. Uh, I'm not a terrorist." And I see, I, I have seen uh, in life the a small uh, discussion that can very hard between people in uh, the same company. Uh-huh. You mean bec- between the Muslims and the Belgians, that there's, that there's tension? Yeah, there's yeah, first- yeah. Yes. Now, t- talk a little bit about Molenbeek. Um, I, I was saying before on the show, I was talking about how um, when traveling from Louvain to, Be- to Brussels, um, the train would pass by Molenbeek, and... Um, I remember what it looked like. Um, I've never, I don't think I ever went there, but it was these gray, tall buildings, and it looked, um, you know, it didn't look like a pleasant place to be even when I was there. Um, and, and so, and that, now it's being called the center of, of terrorism, essentially, in, in Europe. Um, what are you, did, have you been there? What do you know about that place? 
Mullenbeek. You know where where the Mullenbeek? Mullenbeek. Yes. Yeah, the 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 the, the, it, the um, in breath of Mullenbeek that where um, there was uh, they were found they were found the terrorists. Uh, yes. I, I'm if, I, I'm very sad about that in my country and uh, I, I we know that before a few years there was something bad in this era. And the politicians, they will not react about that. And now all the world will think that is the center of the terrorism budget. And I'm very sad about that. And um, uh, the, all the American and all the other European countries say, oh, it's always in Belgium that will arrive that. Well, but this, and in, in particular, this neighborhood, this neighborhood of the voisinage of Molenbeek, where the, they, where they just recently captured the last terrorist, the terrorist who was involved yeah, in the yeah. Paris attacks. And it seems yeah. like today's, uh, terrorist attacks at the airport and in Molenbeek, um, are to get back at the police and to get back at the world, to get back for capturing this, because the, yeah. the terrorists are angry that we captured um, this yeah. Saleh Abdeslam um, and, yeah. and are going to be putting him on trial. Tell us more oh, yeah. about that. I mean, what do you That's think good. about... Have you been to that neighborhood? Apparently they were, they were no, throwing no, things... No, I've never, never been in that neighborhood um, because uh, we know, you know, uh, there's uh, insecurity in these uh, neighbors, mm. neighborhoods. Mm. And uh, we go to the center of Brussels, like the Grand Place, and Excel, Cartier Louis, that's the... They, um, the, the place for international, uh, uh, everybody knows Brussels with the Grand Place. That is the famous Grand Place. You know Brussels yes. Grand Place? Yes, of that, course. Uh, that's the, 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 um, the showroom of Brussels. Yes. Not Molenbeek. Molenbeek is, is, um, um, where this guy lives, and um, it's in Chicago Place, and I've never been there, because mm-hmm. uh, when I, I take the uh, underground metro, yes. we, we know uh, we don't have to get out on this station, because uh, when I was a kid, um, I was going not so far from that, and I have been injured by... Uh, some people in, in this here. You were injured by yeah. some people near there. Yeah. What what it happened? Was, it, it was when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was uh, about uh, twelve or thirteen years old. Yes. And uh, that that was that was not a terrorist, but that was a not a, a cool guy. Uh huh. And so, it was two or three people, and they will attack me to get my watch and my huh. wallet. Huh. And, huh. and it was not so far from this area. <laughs> and uh-huh. that's why I never returned in this area. Mm-hmm. 
and that's what you were saying that you wish that the police had had investigated and and clamped down had done something in that neighborhood long before this because they knew it was a place where this was where problems were growing yeah yeah the, the when you see on the television when the police get to arrest the terrorist um, yes. we, we we have seen on the television the the kids will uh, uh hit the police with uh, some uh, some uh, stuff uh, I know exactly what and that was very sad yes and, bottles, uh, bottles and stones and things like that yeah, they didn't respect the police, and that is not a good hope for the future in this uh, area, in this yes. neighborhood. Yes, yes, if and, children are being taught and, that way, yes. yes. And the, the second thing is we all we are, uh, we really think that some people we know this, where, uh, the terrorist was there, Abdesim, and uh, they didn't tell that to the police, and that is very sad too, because yes. they they keep protected as terrorists in this neighborhood. Yes, yes. Um, let me ask Colleen. Would you like to say something to comment on some of the things that Arnold has been saying? Um, well, uh, Arnold, it was very interesting to um, to hear your comments about that neighborhood. So it appears that um, uh, the Belgian uh, people um, uh, are aware of that neighborhood and um, and that it could be dangerous and has been. And it sounds like, from what you're saying, um, that uh, now the um, the Belgian authorities are, um, as you put it, they they woke up. Um, is that after the Paris attacks and everything, and now uh, it sounds like they may have known that um, some of the people were there. I, I don't know that they knew terrorists were there, but um, are there a lot of people living there in that neighborhood? Arnold, did you understand that? Yeah, yeah, I understand that. So, so she's asking <laughs> if there are, basically, if there are, Oh my goodness! That's <laughs> now that I just heard the music. <laughs> we need to, we need to uh, to say goodbye for today. But I want to thank you both, uh, Colleen Rahowski, the uh, an American working in the American office of the Secretary of Defense in the Department of Defense Education Activity Europe, and Arnold Danan, who um, lives and works in um, very near to, well, you were like in between, Arnold, in between the airport uh, attacks and the um, Molenbeek attacks. Um, Well, I hope both of you stay safe. Thank you so much for um, coming on Dr. Carol's Couch and for explaining, uh, giving us, telling us what it's like on the front lines. So stay safe and um, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And um, I hope that um, today's show has made, has brought a bit of reality into everybody's life, you know, a sad reality, but we all need to actually start waking up and doing things ourselves and uh, to, to live in this world. And, of course, you'll be hearing more about that from me in future shows. So thank you again, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Okay.
Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 